Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Farah Siddiqui here once again with Zach Rizzuto. Hope you guys were able to listen to our episode that came out on this past Wednesday. Uh, we were talking about a bunch of guys that we disagreed on, a bunch of guys that we were torn on. Uh, but this episode, we are going to talk about you guys and all the questions that you guys had. Uh, we try to you know choose as many as we could uh, to try to answer in this podcast. So these are questions that a lot of fantasy managers are going to have, you know, going into this season, going into the draft process. So I'm sure uh, these type of questions are going to help a lot of people. Uh, but let's get started. Zach, what's up, dude? No, not much. I think we're ready to get started. Rapid recap. We got some news on Deshaun Watson, which is pretty interesting. We're going to figure out what that means. Um, according to a tweet by Tony Rizzo of ESPN, reliable sources have indicated that as things stand right now, Deshaun Watson's looking at just a four to six week suspension in 2022. So if Deshaun Watson only misses that many games in 2022, where do you see his value settling? I mean, if, if his official suspension ends up being only four to six games, I think, you know, his ADP would be worth, you know, being around the ninth or 10th round, right? Like I, I hate having quarterbacks sit around on my bench for that long in one quarterback leagues. I obviously in two quarterback leagues, you know, things change drastically. You, I would love to have Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, on my team, even if he's on my bench. Um, but, you know, there's a chance that, you know, you draft a guy like – and we're going back to one QB here, but, like, if there's a chance you draft a guy like Trey Lance around there, right, and he ends up outperforming Watson, right? Uh, you know, you didn't have to waste a bench spot. There's a chance he doesn't do that much better than guys like Russell Wilson or even Matthew Stafford, you know, who's probably going to end up going after Deshaun Watson if this, you know, news holds true that he's only suspended for four to six games. So, you know, he's an elite quarterback, but I, I'd rather just draft a quarterback who I know I can start every week around that price instead of having to hold on to him, right? If he's going to, if he's going later than that, sure, I get it. You can you compare him with another, you know, late round quarterback to, to hold yourself down. Uh, but if I had to guess, like, I don't think he's going to be on a lot of my teams uh, unless he's going pretty late, like you know, twelfth, thirteenth round, something like that. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it would definitely change how I feel about guys like Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb, like right, like like those guys move up, especially Amari. Amari right now, you know, he dropped a ton, right? He's going off the board as the wide receiver thirty-one in the sixth round. Um, so he'd have to move up to like the three, maybe the three-four turn or so, something like that, uh, around like the wide receiver eighteen-ish at least. You know, um, how are you feeling about Deshaun? If he was a four, if he was truly out, you know, officially. And they announced it four to six weeks. How would you handle that situation? So if he only misses four to six weeks, I've, I'm in your boat. I think a lot of other players would gain a lot more value. I think more than him because he's going to be missing those games anyway. I agree. I think that Deshaun Watson is best utilized in a two QB. If you play two QB or super flex as just a, you know, upside shot, you could take him later, even if he is suspended, even if his ADP does move up you'll be able to take a shot on him and get some value out of him once he does start. I think he's going to be closer to what he was the last time we saw him on the field. I don't think there's much to worry about with him as far as talent goes. With Amari Cooper, I agree that he moves up, but I think that if he comes back, Deshaun Watson plays this season, that actually unlocks like David Njoku as a reasonable tight end. I think his ADP is going to skyrocket a little bit because um, you know, his QB situation right now is Jacoby Brissett and He's a great talent. He just got signed to a big deal. They obviously want to use him in the passing game. So I think he would be one of my biggest winners, even I'd say after Amari Cooper. But David Njoku is a guy okay. I'd be looking out for. And then even guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones as a wide receiver too, kind of playing a Jarvis Landry role to um, Amari Cooper's Odell Beckham, if that makes sense. That was a little while ago. I mean, obviously both of those receivers are now off the team. But if you want to look for reviving that kind of duo in the passing game, I think those are the guys to do it. So even if, if Deshaun Watson comes back, I think that other players stand to benefit more. But Deshaun Watson himself will still be a good pick. But I, I wouldn't roll with him as my QB1 just yet because I wouldn't want to weather a storm. That could be four to six weeks, and we don't know. It could be longer. This is just a report. But I'm with you. I think that other players will benefit a lot from him only getting four to six weeks, which is a lot less than what I was anticipating in reality. No, for sure. I think I think that's a great point with, with, with David Njoku, um, who's going to get potentially a full rap participation for the first time in a long time, right? I don't think he's ever had it his entire career. This will be the first time, and he got the deal. So, you know, I think they have confidence in him, and I'm hoping that he does get that that opportunity. And if Deshaun Watson's there, listen, he could be that number two number two pretty much like wide receiver behind Amari Cooper. So so I do like that. Um, all right, yeah, awesome. So uh, that was it for the Rapid Recap. Let's get right into it, man. Bunch of you guys, uh, thank you for for, for um, a- answering that story that I had on Instagram, asking you guys to, to, to put up some questions for us. Um, and Zach was able to kind of pluck some out that he thinks that could help a lot of people. So, so, so uh, without further ado, let's, let's go for it, Zach. Right, so our first question comes from Duke Silver 25 who's asking, who would you rather have in full PPR formats, Brees Hall or Travis Etienne? So for me, like, I, I think this is like really close. Um, I, I literally have them back-to-back in my rankings at RB16 and RB17. So we got Travis Etienne uh, going off the board also as the RB16 on underdog, and Brees Hall, he's going off the board as the RB19, about 10 spots uh, apart. Um, so ETNs around the two, three turn and haul a little later around the mid fourth. 
right? So, you know, if you're talking about like who might be the better value, may, you know, maybe at this point you, you might want to say like, okay, maybe Brees Hall is the better value, but it all depends like where you're picking, right? The most likely you're not going to be able to get both of these guys, 10 picks apart, you know, you, you're eight, like someone has to fall, right? In order for you to grab them or you have to reach on one of them, right? Um, but like, why don't we, why don't we, so Etienne's price, if you look at it, it moved up a lot over the past two months or so. His ADP was close to the fifth round in the middle of May. Uh, and I guess it took guys like me to like pump up his ADP. <laughs> but like, it went up two full rounds. I loved him at that price. And, and this price, like at the 2-3 turn, like I'm not sure if he has that risk baked into the ADP, ADP anymore, right? Um, but, I, but how about this? I think this will help people. Why don't we go through, you know, what factors we should be looking at when comparing, you know, two running backs this close, all right? So both offenses are likely to suck, potentially, right? But which one is going to suck less, right? My assumption is that the Jets' offense will be better than Jacksonville's, right? So plus one for Brees Hall there, right? Who's a better pass catcher? Both are good, but Travis Etienne has a chance to be elite, in that department and no one has a chance of being on the field catching passes over him on the Jaguars you know out of the backfield right he legit has a shot at like 65 catches this year you know potentially 80 you know or more on a team that doesn't have any like must target wide receivers right there's no alpha wide receiver there who's going to be getting like 150 160 targets right now I don't think Brees Hall has a shot at 65 catches even though he's capable uh, but on top of that, yeah, Michael Carter, you know, he's going to be involved in some capacity in the receiving game too, right? So right there, plus one for Travis Etienne, right? And then you look at talent. Who's the better talent? Uh, in terms of, you know, who the better prospect is, it's pretty close. Like Etienne, I think, edges out Hall a little bit, you know, especially in the receiving game. But he's also a very underrated runner as well. But then you look at Hall's athletic profile, right? And his production profile, it's up there too, like historically, you know, over the last 10 years, 15 years. So, you know, I think we have to call this one a wash. <laughs> you know, I, although, you know, I lean ETN here just a bit, given how efficient he was in college. Like if you had to, if you had to like, you know, pick one guy, like to say like, who were the, who was the better prospect, you know, who has the, the higher upside going into the NFL? Who would you pick between these two guys? I personally would give the edge to Brees Hall. And it's only by a hair, but yeah. I'll tell you why. I think the quality competition for right. Hall is lesser on the Jets' offense than the competition for ETN in Jacksonville. And I like Hall's price just a little bit right. more than ETN. The Jets' offense should be worlds better in 2022. And I don't look at Michael Carter as a significant obstacle for Brees Hall to overcome in his rookie year. In Jacksonville, it's a bit of a different story with James Robinson as ETN's running mate. And we know what he can be when he's used properly. And when I say properly, I mean not Urban Meyer usage. This is essentially ETN's <laughs> rookie season anyway, so we also don't know what to expect as far as a split goes and touches in the backfield, which makes me feel even better about taking Hall over ETN at this point because once Robinson comes back, we don't know what's going to happen there. And as I mentioned before, the draft prices, right. they're close, but relative to the mid-fourth round price tag of Brees Hall, ETN's ADP just feels a bit too rich for me with plenty of other quality talent going in that range like James Conner, even Cortland Sutton. So I, I, I give the edge to Brees it's true. It's true, and around that Brees Hall range, like the, the like the competition in terms of like who like the guys that I really want to draft, you know, there there aren't as many guys there as there is at the two three turn. Like the two three turns rich, 
right? Um, and then you have like ETN. He's also coming off that foot injury, right? And he looks like he's good to go. You know, he says that it's completely behind him. Um, but there is a little bit of risk to those Liz Frank injuries, right? Um, so you got to give the edge uh, of like health to Breeze Hall, right? Because yeah. like, you know, he's coming into the league pretty healthy, right? Uh, so, you know, if, if you look at all these factors, like <laughs> they're still kind of even, right? Um, what about the goal line work? Right, like definitely Brees Hall on the Jets, right? Like he's gonna get all the goal line work. Who's right. he gonna be on the Jaguars, right? Like will James Robinson assume that role when he's back? You know, ETN is getting that work right now in OTAs. So if ETN gets goal line work and he has the upside of sixty five catches, like he would be the pick for me, right? But it's hard to say right now. Like you said, like it's hard to tell. Um, right now, there is a little bit of a tiebreaker, right? Like if you're in a full PPR league. Right, like Travis yeah. Etienne might be the safer pick here. Like, if this is a non PPR or half point PPR, I'd probably go Brees Hall. Right, um, so it's I think I feel like that's a nice little tiebreaker there. Like, you know, the latter, like when you talk about like half point or non PPR, um, that places a mo- that places more of an emphasis on like yards and touchdowns, uh, and then you know. PPR leagues, full PPR leagues, places a little bit more emphasis on involvement in the receiving game and and literally what your volume is in the receiving game, right? So it's really close for me. So, but yeah, no, I think, you know, both of these guys will be good this year, uh, but Travis Etienne's ADP, dude, like, it really skyrocketed. And Brees Hall has similar ability to potentially win you your, win you your league as well uh, in that fourth round, right? So Travis right. Etienne needs to do a lot in order for him to come through, and you know, and, and return on that price that you're paying. Yeah, I think you look at the other thing that makes it also more difficult is both of these offenses are very similar because they both have second-year quarterbacks. And Brees Hall is in his rookie year. Travis Etienne, like I said, is essentially in his rookie year. So we don't know what their workloads are going to be. And they're not super loaded on offense in either team. So it really makes it difficult. (laughs) And that's why I think that calling this a wash, I mean, it's a fair answer. But to give an answer, I mean, I, I, I would go with Brees Hall. And I, I think that you have a good yeah. point that PPR, I might lean towards ETN, even at the price, because the upside, if he get, he does get the goal line work, like you said, he can absolutely be a steal, even at his inflated price right now over the past month. You know, it's crazy because Underdog is a half-point PPR um, uh, platform, but he's still going at the 2-3 turn. Right. You know, uh, if there's a full PPR, like, what is it going to be? Right, like I'm, I'm curious to see like where, where his price would actually like his ADP would actually settle at, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know. Right. Uh, by the way, did you mention who asked this question? I might have missed that. Yeah, I did right at the beginning. This was Duke Silver twenty five. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Duke Silver. All right, what we got next? All right, so our next question comes from Kai underscore Imes, and he's asking for redraft. What is, in your opinion, the best spot to draft from? particularly for this year so i like the middle of the first right now um or like a little towards the end of the first so so like i'm cool with those two spots like somewhere between like six and nine ish you know even like 10 is fine but right that's kind of the sweet spot for me like when i draft from the middle of the first i have a shot at some elite talent right whether it's like austin eckler or dalvin cook or Najee harris Right, I can also, you know, likely take my pick 
from the top three wide receivers there too, right? So you have a lot of flexibility, yeah. first of all, right? <laughs> so some people don't want flexibility. Some people just like want to be pigeonholed into a pick so they don't have to think too much. <laughs> and I yeah. get it. Um, <laughs> but, but also when you move into the middle of the second, right? If you have a shot to grab Aaron Jones, right? You have a shot to grab Saquon, right? Uh, if you picked a little later and you're earlier on the turn, you have a shot at, a shot at guys like DeAndre Swift, CD Lamb, right? Um, and then when you move into the third, you have a shot on guys like Michael Pittman, right? James Conner yeah. at that two three turn, Kamara even because he he's dropping because of that potential suspension. Uh, and then you know if you want to grab a guy like Travis Etienne, right? Ho- hopefully you can get him if he falls a little bit. But you know, and then you have a shot of Sutton falling to you in in, in the fourth, right? Uh, if you have right. a pl- yeah. so if you have a pick closer to like ni- if you have a pick closer to like ninth overall, right? You're going to be close to that 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 early four. Uh, early fourth round pick and you have a chance to have Sutton there too so like I found that the players that I want uh, end up falling in my lap you know and that happens more when I'm picking between like six and nine you know Um, and and just keep in mind like the closer you pick to the one two turn like the closer you pick to the end of the first round the higher chances you have at having like two elite fantasy players right it's pretty simple right just got to hit on that third and fourth round pick and, and and usually you're Gucci um, one other point I want to make too is that when you're picking like closer to like the middle, you know, ish of, of the round, you can really use tiers to your advantage also because, um, you know, if there are certain guys that you're like, all right, well, the chances that, you know, I have a bunch of running backs here that are in the same tier for me. So, and this one wide receiver is sticking out you know, out of the rest of these wide receivers on the board, I'm going to go ahead and take that wide receiver because there's a decent chance that one of those running backs or or whatever position that you're looking at can potentially fall to you, right? But if you're picking at right. the turn, you kind of have to, like, reach a little bit, right? And, and you're going to have to, like, just to get your guys. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to hit, right? I think you have a little bit more flexibility when you're picking in the middle because you have a higher chance of guys who are going to pan out drop to you rather than you having to hand select your guys at the turn does that make sense yeah definitely uh for me did you have a preference also yeah so I, i i like the late round i think that between eight and 11 if you're in a 12 team league that kind of thing that's where i'd like to be because personally there's never been a more perfect time than now to throw out the conventional wisdom and take zero RB in in your draft this season. I'm looking at the field of running backs and actually finding a lot that I like outside the first three rounds. Guys like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, and like even Elijah Mitchell has price. I don't really mind depending on how the beginning of my draft goes. But I think if you can batten down the hatches on your team. Sorry, go ahead. I think you're right about that, though. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Elijah Mitchell, though, like, you know, I, a lot of people have been talking about this, like with me too. It's like I've been out on Elijah Mitchell, right? But like his right, price yeah. keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And at that point, it's like, dude, like why not? Like, 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 like draft him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, every, add to your running back depth. Yeah, every player can be a value at the right price. So if he's there, I mean, I'm I'm not avoiding him. And I think if you can really just take two no. bulletproof receivers, like I'm looking at, like maybe you'll have your pick. Maybe you, if there's one of the elite receivers, the top three consensus, which is Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. If you could get one of them with your first-round pick late, turn around, take C.D. Lamb, and then go after these guys like Cam mm-hmm. Akers and Brees Hall, two guys with good upside that are actually going the third and fourth round, mm-hmm. I think that you'd be in a really good spot. I don't think you could really go wrong with that. And I'm usually a guy that's RB first, RB heavy, you know, rely on the running back. 
and just make your money there. But I'm just looking at the running backs that are available and the price that they, that you can get most of them at. I don't think it's ever been this deep or you've had this many options or at least quality options that I think in recent years. Like this is a deep RB class, even though not much has changed. Just guys are floating down lower than they should be, I think, like Ezekiel, like James Conner, like Cam Akers, I think. Cam Akers, I, I'm, like I said, I flipped the script on him. I was not a big fan of him going in the offseason, and now I am. And like I said, I have a post coming out on him soon. So you'll hear more about that later. But I think that picking late in the first round is really my ideal spot. I, I think that guys like Cam Akers, I think guys like uh, Brees Hall, I have a feeling their prices are going to, as the summer goes along, I, I feel like their prices are going to start moving up. Because right. people are going to start warm, start warming up to those guys. Unfortunately, yeah, like <laughs> that's why. Like if you're if you're if you're a sharp, if you listen to this podcast, right? I would advocate to draft now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can take <laughs> like advantage these guys. of these prices. Listen, at the end of the day, like I, I understand the argument about like, oh, what if, what if an injury happens? Right, the chances that an injury happens to the player that you drafted is pretty low. When it happens, it sucks, right? When, the, when those preseason injuries happen, it sucks. But the chances that, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit on, like, some serious values in drafts at this time, middle of July, opposed to, like, end of, end of August, it's night and day, the type of values that you're able to get. You know, I, I, sometimes, like, I'm stuck on a player in July who's going in, like, the seventh round. And then, you know, all of a sudden I find myself drafting him in the fourth in, <laughs> at the end of August right. because I was so stuck on that player and I didn't want to lose out on that player, you know? And it's like, it's a terrible strategy. <laughs> it's so bad. But You, you kind know, of circle like, back yeah, it, it to what, what you said, what you've put out. Like you circle back to what you said about drafting other people's handcuffs. If you're drafting now, your handcuff, the guy you drafted as a handcuff, could become the RB1 in the blink of an eye if you draft now. And I'm not saying that yes. we advocate for drafting now, but like you're saying, those guys that you draft as handcuffs can turn around value really quick depending on how people stay healthy, how players, you know, perform even in camp, that kind of thing. So I think that's also something to keep in mind if you draft now. Very true. Very true. All right. What's the next question? All right. So our next question comes from Tanner K32. And he's asking Dalvin Cook or Najee Harris this year. He thinks that's who he can get at pick five for PPR. Okay. So we already went over like the criteria of what we're looking for in a running back earlier, right? With ETN and, and Brees Hall. Uh, but in this scenario, like these two have very, very similar roles on their offenses, right? Like both are pretty much every down backs. Both are very involved in the receiving game and both will get goal line work, right? Now, I think one definitely represents less risk, uh, but also less upside. Right, so right. I think Dalvin Cook's repeated shoulder injuries uh, has me a little worried. Um, he says he feels the best he's ever felt in regards to that shoulder, but like who knows, right? It's been an issue, right? Uh, right. Still, me personally, I'm going Cook here, and I actually have Najee ranked a couple spots above Cook in my last uh, running back rankings that I put out, but I'm flipping him. I'm flipping him. Oh. Uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, for me, he's a game breaker, right? He's explosive. Now, admittedly, his efficiency fell off last year in terms of both uh, yards after contact in the run game uh, and yards per route run in the receiving game. Um, but, you know, he's not near 
that carry or age threshold just yet for me to start getting worried. You know, so I'm more likely right. to give him the benefit of the doubt in, in regards to his injuries last year and like that affecting his efficiency. But he's a great pass catcher, right? He does more after the catch than Najee can. You know, and his breakaway ability is one of the best in the league. That was one th- piece last year that he maintained his breakaway ability. Um, and, and with, you know, Kevin O'Connell coming in from the Rams, I like Cook even more, you know, because this is going to be an offense based more on the pass game, which I actually like for a running back like Cook because, A, more work in the receiving game, right, is what I actually want for my running backs. I don't want 50 more carries. You know, I'd rather have, like, 30 more targets potentially, right? Right. Remember, like we, 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 we're going to probably talk about this every single episode. Remember, you know, a target is worth almost three times a carry uh, in yes. PPR leagues, right? And a little, a little less than two times a carry in half PPR leagues. So, uh, and, then, and then B, more 11 personnel, right? Meaning defenses will play nickel as their base defense against them, meaning like no stacked boxes, right? Uh, yeah. Minnesota had one of the, le- the league's lowest rates of three wide receiver sets year after year with Mike Zimmer as head coach. So things are going to drastically change there. Um, you know, and then when you consider the better offense, like who is a better offense? Like it's Dalvin Cook, right? Like I'm expecting more touchdowns on his end. I think a positive regression is due on his side. He had a ton of goal line carries last year, didn't get a lot of touchdowns on those goal line carries. So I think that 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 reverses a little bit. Um, now, if you want to go the safe route, right, with a running back who has a better shot of holding up, <laughs> throughout the entire right. season you know although predict predicting some all, you know i think predicting someone to not get hurt is almost as bad as predicting someone who will get hurt because they're injury prone quote unquote mm-hmm. um but i do think Najee's safer though i think Najee's going to get a ton of work you know the offense will likely be based around him 350 plus touches incoming for Najee, pretty easily we, we, yeah. we, wouldn't you say like that's the name of the game right there like he's going to come through so if you want a safe RB1, I think it's Najee. If you want the upside of someone who has a chance of being overall RB1 this year, winning a league because of him, I think it's Cook. So it depends on your style, right? Yeah, it depends definitely. on how you want to play it, how you want to play it, how safe you want to be. That's really what it comes down to. So I'm going Cook today <laughs> on this Thursday because mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little spicy, you know? But if I'm feeling safe, if I'm feeling a little sheltered that day and I want to, you know, go safe and then maybe go high upside with my next couple of picks instead, you know, maybe I'll go Najee. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I, I have a feeling. I know. I have a feeling. I know who, who you're going to pick, but go for it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of stray away. I know you say, I, I we said about this last episode too. It's like you say, play to win, don't play to not lose. But I think it ultimately depends on who's on the board at that time. Like Dalvin Cook could be gone. Other players could still be there. Christian McCaffrey yes. might still be there. Who knows? Because people seem to be fading him. But. Ultimately, they, I think I would go Najee Harris because I've been hyping him up the whole offseason. I've been on him the whole offseason. I don't really yeah. want to change that. I, I agree with everything that you said about Dalvin Cook. I think that's those are all good points, and I think that he could be the overall everyone. But I like Najee Harris, even if he doesn't get the 94 targets that he got last year. I think he still hits 70 targets. He's going to hit that threshold pretty easily. Dalvin Cook isn't very far behind Najee Harris on my board, but... Najee Harris is younger. He's fresher. I think he's in a better situation because he's in line for more work. He's going to be the first weapon, the best weapon in the Steelers offense. Where Dalvin Cook, yes, he's great, but so is Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen has proven he gets touchdowns. Irv Smith is going to be coming back, and we don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder, obviously, because he missed time, but I think he'll be a good contributor for them. And Kirk Cousins is good. 
he'll, he'll be able to get the ball distributed very nicely. Obviously, they're trying to shift towards the passing game a little bit more. I do think that Cook is in. I'm, I mean, I like Cook even more than I liked him even before that report came out now because that he's going to get that work in the passing game. But ultimately, I think Najee Harris, and I'm I'm a guy, you know, I'm the guy. I'm picking them for the floor. I mean, I like the upside that Dalvin Cook has, but it just kind of worries me that he hasn't been able to finish a whole season without missing at least a game or two recently. So I'm going to go with Najee on this one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I had Najee at, at four, at running back four, and I think I had Dalvin Cook at five, I think. Um, so I might end up flipping those. Um, we'll see. I, I have my consensus. I have my not right. consensus. My big board coming out on Friday, so so we'll see what what it ends up being. I haven't hundred percent decided yet. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. All right. So underscore Noah Klein underscore asks, how do you value Javante Williams versus DeAndre Swift, and then both of them versus CD Lamb? Okay, so between Javante and Swift, it's relatively easy for me. Like, I'd go Swift there. Um, I, I think he has the right combination of safety and upside. Uh, not, not like, really, like, talking about injury here, but more talking about his role. Uh, but he, he's going to be very involved in the receiving game. He was on pace to hit 90 catches before he got hurt last year. Uh, both guys are going to be in some sort of timeshare, and while I do expect – Javante to carry more of the load this year than he did last year. I think you know he has a better running back complementing him than Swift does, right? In like Jamal Williams or, or whoever else complements him. But you know, there's also a chance that Swift doesn't get all the goal line work, right? Jamal Williams is there for some of that, most of that. Like that is a little bit of a question mark, right? Um, the, the receiving upside of Swift is too high for me, though, right? To ignore, right? If Melvin Gordon never re-signed with Denver and we knew that Jamal, you know, uh, I'm sorry, that, that Javante was going to get all the work. Like Javante would be in my top five ahead of Swift. Right. But like, that's not happening right. now. Um, I'm taking CD lamb over Javante pretty easily as well. Like he's the number one wide receiver for a pass first offense. His target share, you know, will easily be over 25%. It could potentially, I wouldn't be surprised if it hit that like super elite or if it got near that super elite 30% mark, right? right. I think Devonta Adams last year was like close to 32%. Um, there was a couple guys like close to 30%. I, I wouldn't be surprised if CeeDee Lamb hits that this year um, because the next best targets there are Dalton Schultz, Jalen Tolbert, and James Washington, right? And Michael Gallup might not be ready to start the year and also might not be himself for a while. Right. So right. CD Lamb, you know, he has the chance to lead the NFL in targets this year. You know, so this is why, you know, so this is why he should be more compared to Swift than he should be cared, mm-hmm. compared to Javante Williams. Right. So I have Swift and Lamb like up in a tier up here and then like Javante like in a tier below, basically. So um, now between Swift and Lamb, right? I think CD Lamb is the safer pick between the two. He also offers right. league-winning upside as well, just like Swift does. Swift offers league-winning upside as well. Uh, but, you know, the facts are the facts. Swift hasn't been able to stay healthy, super healthy, over his first two years. So even though I have Swift higher, like, in my last iteration of my overall big board, right? I think I'll be moving CD up over, Smith, over, over Swift. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. That's I pretty think spicy. Said you're feeling spicy today. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But the thing is, like, 
when you have a guy who is potentially like going to lead the league in targets, and on top of that, you know he has the upside to potentially like you know be a top you know three four wide receiver in fantasy. It's hard for me to, you know, not have him you know higher than a guy who presents a little bit of risk, right? Who might not get goal line carries, right? So that that's kind of, that's kind of my thought process there. You know, even though you know he can you know DeAndre Swift can easily end up being a top five fantasy running back, right? Right. So now I think if Swift did command goal line looks like I think he'd be my pick. But his rushing efficiency also, when you look at it last year, was so bad last year that I think there's a good chance that he is complemented in the run game a decent amount. So right. yeah. I think I'm going Lamb and I think he's gonna be my pick in any format. Half PPR, non PPR, and full PPR. That's interesting. What say you, Zach? All right. So I think I have the same overall rankings for these three players that you have. I think DeAndre Swift and CeeDee Lamb are in their own little tier above Javante Williams. I'm not really thinking much about Javante Williams since they re-signed Melvin Gordon. Not that he won't get the carries that I was kind of hoping him to. I think he's going to get a little bit more of the workload than we saw last year, but it's not going to be enough to put him in the realm of DeAndre Swift or CeeDee Lamb because of DeAndre Swift's upside. And the Lions O-line is still quietly one of the best in the NFL. People don't really talk about it because, you know, the Lions were a pretty bad team last year. And there's still a general lack of playmakers in the receiving game behind Amon St. Brown. So DeAndre Swift is going to get plenty of targets. He's going to be reaching that same threshold they hit last year. He's going to get, I don't think he'll have trouble replicating what he did last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he actually exceeded it. I do think DeAndre Swift, for me personally, is higher than Lamb in the overall rankings. Just because of that scarcity at running back. I think that he provides us a little bit more value as a fantasy asset overall. But I do think CeeDee Lamb is right. he I think he's gonna score more points ultimately. So but you look at that makes sense. the choices that you have after DeAndre Swift. I mean, I like James Conner after him. I like Cam Akers. But after like there's only so many running backs after him that I'd be happy taking. You you'd have a really good advantage, I think, taking Swift, especially if you get get him mid to late second. Although I don't anticipate that being possible. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I think that we have some. Yeah, I've seen him drop here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I've seen him there, like here and there, like in the second round, like dropping a little bit, like 15 to 16 ish. Right. Um, but it's not, usually you got to pick him right at the turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Sounds good. That was a good one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, we got the last question here on our list comes from David Adaroyan, and he's asking, should I stay away from the whole Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle situation in Miami? Well, Tyreek Hill right now, he's going at the end of the second round, right? And I think I'm staying away from him at that price. You know, there are too many unknowns here for me. There's no guarantee that he gets a lion's share of the targets. Jalen Waddle had a damn good rookie season, right? And he's going to command yeah, targets also. Very good rookie season. So, yeah, and, you know, he built that rapport with two in a big way, too, right? So, like, you know, he's going to be running a lot more of those short to intermediate routes, I think, at cost. I think I'd rather have Waddle, you know, who's going at the very top of the fourth round as the wide receiver 18. I kind of have him around there in my ranks as well. So, you know, I don't think it's a situation to necessarily, like, stay away from. Like, I think I'm cool with grabbing a guy like Waddle later. Um, but, you know, one thing to think about is, you know, will this be a more – run first offense like they were in San Francisco, you know, with Mike McDaniel over there, him coming over, you know, with him being their run game coordinator, you know, with that outside zone run scheme, like, 
San Francisco, you know, has some good playmakers in the receiving game, right? They had Debo, they had Brandon Ayuk, they had George Kittle, right? But like they're still like run heavy, <laughs> right? Like right. they didn't even have any like superstars in the backfield that they had to get the ball to, right? It was just Elijah Mitchell. So and mm-hmm. he he was good, but he's not no Saquon. He, you know, he's not no like Nick Chubb back there, right? Like right. M- Miami was one of the most pass happy offenses in the NFL last year for some reason. Um, you know, but that was with an entirely different coaching staff and Waddle was able to capitalize off of that with 140 targets. So what happens now with Tyreek there, maybe less pass happy, most likely most pass happy because they were extremely pass heavy last year in every situation, winning, losing, neutral, neutral game scripts. It didn't matter. They were passing the ball. So, you know, something to think about there. I think one thing is for sure, like I'm not dying to have either of these guys on my roster this year. Um, not necessarily targeting either of them in redraft leagues, um, you know. But if they fall and become more of a value, like I would consider it, right? Tyreek Hill, you know, he's an amazing player, right? So like, there's only so much that he can fall to in terms of like fantasy relevance. So like, right. you know, if he falls more, he's like middle of the third round, towards the end of the third round for whatever reason, people are scared of that situation. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on that most likely. You know, same thing with Waddle. If he falls into the fifth, you're like, all right, this is a little ridiculous, right? So like, and then you kind yeah. of hop on it that way. But am I reaching for those guys? I don't think so. Yeah, that's funny because what you just said is like exactly my notes on these two players. And I said, <laughs> should you stay away from the whole Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall situation? The easy answer is no. The short answer is no because it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They're both very good receivers. And like I say, every player can be a value at the right price. The problem is they're both being taken where I don't want to target them. And like you said, with the workload, they're are they going to be as pass heavy with Mike McDaniel coming in as head coach? There's a whole different coaching change that's going on. We don't know what the offense is going to look like, but the thing that kind of has me intrigued is whether Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle will get a chance to operate in like a Debo Samuel type role in the offense. If they're going to use either of them that way, or if they're both going to get that kind of work, if they both get that kind of work, I feel like it's going to be too split up for them. Any one of them to shine over the other. But I think, Jalen Waddle could thrive in a Debo Samuel type role. I don't know if that's how they're going to implement it. And I wouldn't draft with that thought in mind. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> but um, I think right. that it'll be interesting to see how they're used. Because if that does become the case, where Jalen Waddle is getting a few carries a game on top of the receiving work that he's going to have, I think that he can be, he might end up outscoring Tyreek Hill, you know, this season coming up. It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, right? I mean, it's possible that, you know, Tyreek Hill is more used, like, you know, around the line of scrimmage. You know, how much of those deep targets is he going to actually end up converting on, you know, for touchdowns, that sort of thing. So th- I think I think it's very possible that these two end up very close in terms of fantasy points. And, yes, Jalen Waddle can outscore Tyreek Hill. It is possible, you know. So Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's awesome. Um, were there Were there any more questions or was that it? Not that we picked out from this crop. No, that's those are the questions okay. that we had. All right, awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate you 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 sending in those questions. Uh, we're gonna probably do a mailback like every so often, maybe every other week. Um, you know, whenever we think that there's a lot of questions coming in, uh, we're gonna drop one of these mailback uh, episodes. So we really appreciate you guys sending in those questions. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, two episodes in a row, baby. Two episodes episodes in a row. Let's go. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> We're able to kind of keep it, uh, try to keep it consistent here, uh, hopefully for, for the rest of the off season. So, um, yeah. So, so, Zach, appreciate you hopping on, dude. Um, and I uh, appreciate everyone listening. Hopefully you guys can take the time. It takes only a minute to go ahead and review the podcast. That would mean the world to us. That would be awesome, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Spotify. Uh, that would really help us out. So uh, for, for Zach, for us, I'll see you guys soon. Take it easy. Peace.